Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly for July 13th, 2021. My name is Barry McBride. I am the publisher and tame web dork of the OBR. Uh, I will be your guide through the great Cleveland Browns July news desert. And along with Fred here, we will lead you to the oasis of training camp. That's uh, the metaphor I uh, had this morning in the newswire, and I'm just going to keep using it until everybody's sick of it. And we are in the news desert. Um, with me, as always, Mr. Freddie Greetham. How's it going, Fred? It's good. It's it's not bad to be in the desert. I lived in Arizona and in the desert, you know, for eight or nine years, enjoyed it. And, you know, as far as you look forward to that oasis, which in a couple of weeks is going to be like a tsunami of information, you know, good, yep. bad, all over the place. So, it's kind of the lull before the storm, so to say, and you want to enjoy this time because it's going to just get hectic here pretty soon. So this time, everybody's a winner. You know, everybody's undefeated. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to the Super Bowl. And, you know, it's just fun time. Yeah, there's it's, you make it's, up it's stuff. It's all good. It's all good. Between the draft and training camp, your team is on top of the world. Uh, we've known that for the last 20-some-odd years where uh, – that was the most competitive part of the year for the Cleveland Browns between the draft and training camp. Uh, but the vultures have descended and they are picking on the bones of old news stories. And it is really hard to uh, put together a newswire every morning, uh, which we do anyway, even if it's a newswire about nothing. But I did manage to bring some news stories with me that we can talk about uh, here today. But as always, it is your questions and comments in the chat room which make the show go. Uh, we will give those top priority. So if you have questions, comments, um, anything like that, just uh, let me know via the chat room, and we will jump on those. And, uh, uh, Fred, I think you prefer those to uh, my stupid topics, don't you, most of the time? So, you know, yeah, absolutely. Good. absolutely. I mean, no doubt about it. You got to see some of the – goofy stuff I have set up for today because of the lack of uh, the lack of news. Uh, I'm going to first talk about a story that appeared on uh, Bleacher Report last week, and it's not about the Cleveland Browns. It is about the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, everyone's favorite yellow hanky waving team. Uh, and in it, our old friend Sobo uh, says that Ben Roethlisberger is set up to fail for the Steelers. Uh, I, on this program, have been very negative regarding what Roethlisberger is likely to accomplish this season. But uh, people in Pittsburgh say, boy, they've never seen him work out like he has this year, and he's really watching his diet and all that sort of stuff uh, and uh, is really determined to succeed. Um, But given what's happened with the Steelers' offensive line, what do you expect to see from Ben Roethlisberger in – uh, 2021, Fred, from our uh, distant perch out here in Cleveland. Well, you know, I first I think that my, personally, I think if the Steelers, the longer they prolong, you know, the Ben Roethlisberger era, the the longer it will be before they turn things around. I think they need to, you know, move on and develop another quarterback. And right now, unless that's Mason Rudolph or uh, Dwayne Haskins, um, they're just kind of pushing or kicking the can down the road again, in my opinion. I mean, I, I he's not getting any younger, and to me, 
Roethlisberger's, when he was vintage and good, he was able to bounce off the pass rush and not get taken to the ground and extend the play. Last year, I saw him just hunch his shoulders and take the blow not to get hurt. He wasn't trying to escape, and whether that's speed, lack of speed, or whatever. And so I think, yeah, I think that um, they went and got a top-level running back, but they didn't address the offensive line. I mean, Marquise Pouncey retired. Um, Villanueva hit free agency. Uh, Filer hit free agency. Uh, DeCastro retired. Um, to me, that's the makings of the pretty good line. And so those guys, I know that they've, they signed a guy here or there, but I think a lot of them are stopgap. And I think we learned it here with the Browns. If you don't take care of, you know, if you don't have the line up front, it doesn't matter who's running the ball or who's passing the ball. They're not mm. going to look very good because they're, right. they're getting squashed. And so now the Steelers have been able to, you know, stay on top for a long, long time to their credit. I think they're due to have a bad year. And that's what I'm seeing happen this year. They may prove me wrong, but I do think that Ben is set up for failure by coming back in a team that's on the decline. Yeah. And uh, when he obviously has to be on the decline himself as well. Uh, I took some grief a couple of weeks ago for having a hot take that uh, my hot take was that Ben Roethlisberger would not finish the season as the starter of the Pittsburgh Steelers, either because being replaced in the lineup or because of injury. Uh, and uh, guess who agrees with me? Our old friend Mike Tannenbaum agrees with me. He of the Baker Mayfield hate that we'll talk so he about a little bit later. So, so, so he listened to the show and and uh, your take and and said, I agree with Barry? I, he just wrote independently. I, I, I don't think he agrees with me because he's not that stupid. I think that he uh, just said that's a hot take, and that's what I'm supposed to do on ESPN is hot take. So my hot take has now been repurposed, but we will move on from that. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the running back position for the Cleveland Browns. Hey, before we talk about running backs, Brandon has a question in the chat room that's uh, a bit of a puzzler. Um, let, let's see how we do with this. Uh, he asked, what is more likely to happen? That both Taki Taki and Mac Wilson make the 2021 roster, or both Njoku and Clowney are Brown are on the Browns at the start of the 2022 season. That's a that's an interesting question. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, what do you think of that one? If you can wrap well, your head around right, that one. Right now, I have a linebacker projection with who I projected at the linebacker to make the team mm -hmm. and the depth chart, and um, I would say that. Um, the latter is, or the, the more likely to happen at this point, I would say Taki Taki and Wilson make the team. I don't mm -hmm. think that's going to be the case. I think Taki Taki showed last year he can, he can be a playmaker and I think that he will be on the roster. The other one, I'm not so sure. It's going to come down to special teams play. They went out and added three linebackers, not, not for just for good look, they did right. it because they feel they need to upgrade their linebacking core. And when you draft a guy in the second round, trade up for him, and you also draft a fifth round. Last year they drafted a third-round linebacker. 
and they signed an unrestricted free agent. So those four guys are on the team, and it's, it's going to come down to how many they're going to keep. Last year at the end of the year, they kept seven. Um, I don't see them keeping more than seven, but they could even keep six. And so I think Mac Wilson is going to have to make the team on special teams play. I think that he's going to have to beat out some of those guys that are like core special teams players. But mm-hmm. right now I don't see him making the team, but with your, with your question, I think that would be more likely that Taki Taki and Wilson. Cause I, I think Najoku is going to have a good year and I think he's going to choose to be a free agent and hope he can be the big gun somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And even if Clowney has a good year, I don't know if he will latch on here long-term. He seems to be the type of guy that just keeps thinking every year I'm going to go hit pay dirt somewhere else. And uh, it's kind of been going the opposite way for him. But uh, if he has a good year, which we all hope, I think he definitely would go to free agency. I think the only way that you um, keep him is if you lock him up and do an extension with either guy before the free agency is on the horizon. Right. Uh, I, I, I guess I would agree with you. I don't think either of them are going to happen. Um, I think Mac Wilson uh, was doomed the moment that they drafted Tony Fields. Uh, you know, that's just too many new names at the linebacker position uh, for, for, you know, in a draft pick it is really hard to beat out the current front office's recent draft pick. Uh, Mac Wilson will have to have a tremendous training camp uh, in order to make this team. And uh, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening, but uh uh, hopefully Mac hears that like Mike Tannenbaum heard my hot take and uh, reacts to it and, and responds. Bolton board material. All right. Um, more questions in the chat room, please. If you got them, we'll answer them just like we did Brandon's. In the meantime, you have to hear my topics, which are not nearly as good. Uh, the team's official site did a camp preview of running back position for the Browns. And the big unknown that they answered in the uh, – article was how good can they be which is you know you know you're in pretty good shape if you're if you're asking yourself prior to training camp the big question is how good can they be uh but it's a good question i mean do you think mr fred greedham that the browns could have 2000 to 1000 yard rushers this year do you think it's possible with this group oh i think it's possible I, I've kind of been beating that drum. One of the few criticisms I had of Kevin Stefanski was he didn't really use Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb together. You know, you think about last year, Chubb went down with a knee injury and missed four games and still had a thousand yards. Meanwhile, Kareem Hunt, you know, was was chugging along on pace to hit a thousand yards, and then he really fell off where he wasn't given a lot of opportunities towards the end of the season. And he was more in the, in the receiving mode. And so I just think that it makes sense to use them both. I mean, Kevin Mack, Ernest Biner, you know, those days where they were both on the field, most of the time, one blocked for the other one and vice versa. Same way back in the Jim Brown, Leroy Kelly, or I should say Ernie Green, those those days, you just give more to the defense to think about rather than a fullback who just, you know, is out there a few times and, you know, he's just out there to block. So I just think that even, 
even if you use one as a decoy and, you know, and put them in motion, there's somebody has to go with them. And so I mm -hmm. think, yeah, I think they can a thousand yards. I think Hunt ended up with like 841. And uh, I think that this year the offense should be moving along to the point and you you have an extra game as well. So I think, yes, it's a very good possibility. You have 2000 yard rushers. Uh, I think it, the possibility goes up if Chubb misses a game or two. That's one of the reasons Hunt had as many yards as he did last year, because uh, Chubb wasn't in there uh, occasionally. And, uh, uh, but I, I agree with you. The extra game really increases the possibility that you could have two 1000 yard rushers. Uh, as does the fact that you're going to be stretching the field a little bit more uh, this year with Beckham back and with Anthony Schwartz. Um, I think it looks good, man. <laughs> I just can't, you know, we, I can't wait. Can't we wait use, we use the thousand yard standard, you know, think about Jim Brown. He was playing 12 games, you know, I think mm -hmm. when he started, you know, it's so watered down now with the 16 game schedule. I think it's 66 yards a game is all you have to average to hit a right. thousand. So with 17, I haven't done the math, but I, I think it's got to be down near 60, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, that's not really a great game. If you had a guy getting you 60 yards in fantasy, you probably would dump him, you know? Yeah. So they really should be able to get 2000 yard backs, you know? And, and I, I haven't looked at the stats tonight, but one surprising thing, I think Kareem Hunt actually had more carries, more rushes than mm -hmm. Nick Chubb did last year. His, his yard per carry wasn't nearly as good as Chubb's was. And so for whatever reason, you know, it just seemed that it seemed like Chubb, or I mean, Hunt, when he gets inside the 10, he takes it to a different level. He seems to have a nose for the goal line. Not right. saying that Chubb doesn't, but you remember him a couple times in the Steeler game, just like looked like he was stopped and then he just carried guys in the end zone. So, right. you know, it'll be interesting. And I just think that you got two of the best in the league. One's the former NFL rushing champion as a rookie with the Chiefs, 1,300 yards. And then Chubb had the rushing champion. We all remember, you know, when the Browns didn't use him in the final game and he had 40 yards or something. And Derrick Henry, they ran him like they ran him and ran him and ran him until he beat Chubb out. And and uh, so you got basically two NFL rushing champion type backs, two pro mm -hmm. ball backs. So <laughs> no reason they shouldn't both have a thousand yards. I'm going to put a comment up on the screen from David um, making the point that sort of adding to this is the notion that the Browns defense will give the offense more possessions uh, and get them on the field more often, uh, which hopefully is the case this year. Uh, and uh, we'll just give the offense more time to do a great deal of damage. Um, Walt Stillwell asked a question and he asked, do you believe Andrew Barry believes enough in Bill Callahan to replace Wyatt Teller if necessary? That's, a, that's another interesting question. What do you think, Fred? Well, first of all, yes, I, he believes enough in Bill Callahan. I think they'll take a lot into consideration. Um, you know, you could take the, the, um, the approach that Teller was a, you know, a one shot, wonder at this point i mean he was kind of an unknown the bills cast him off after he started i think eight games for him as a rookie fifth round pick john dorsey went out and got him when he wasn't sold on um 
the guard, I can't remember his name, they signed from the Bears um, and got him at the end of training camp, you know, in Freddie Kitchen's year. And so, Cush. And um, you look at that. And so I think that it's interesting. I think training camp will go a long way. I think they really want to get their hands on Drew Forbes and see what he can do and what he looks like. I know Callahan talked about thinking that he – he or Teller would be the starting right guard. And yet um, we all know Forbes opted out. And so Teller took it to another level. He did have a little bit of trouble in the, in the pass protection. I would like to see them keep him. I mean, he's young. He's obviously has the talent because we saw what he did when he was, you know, last year. And so, I do believe Andrew Barry believes in Bill Callahan, but I just don't think you just move on and hope that another guy can step in. It's just going to come down to contract demands. And if his agent saying, no, we, we want top dollar, we want to be paid, you know, like, like a five, 10 year pro bowler would get paid. Well then, then I see him moving on. Right. I would agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, Bill Callahan. Bill, Bill Callahan uh, talks about the guards. You have to listen, uh, and uh, uh, I'm sure his opinion will be very highly valued uh, coming up this year. Um, more questions coming out of the chat room. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, these are awesome. Um, Jen of the Sheep uh, writes a random filler question between the proper ones. You can't be referring to my questions, Fred. Is I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what he's referring to there. But uh, who do you think is the most underrated player on the roster? Who do you think is the most underrated player, Fred? I've talked about this guy. I don't, you know, a six-round pick last year, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think is going to have a, a breakout year. I think he could be the third receiver, and he could put himself in position to be a starter in the following year and could make it, you know, an easier decision to move on from a Landry or a Beckham. Um, I think that they might've found a real diamond in the rough, you know, in the draft with him. So on offense, he pops out in my mind, um, you know, all the way around on defense, you know, without going through the entire roster off the top of my head, as far as guys that were on the team last year, I think Jacob Phillips, we didn't see enough of him because he missed seven games due to nagging injuries and uh, I think they were obviously very high on him coming out of LSU to draft him in the third round. I think last year he was the most athletic linebacker they had that could stay with some of these speedy quarterbacks. And I, I think he's now in the mix, Was but they brought in, you know, JOK and Tony Fields. So I would say on defense, I would say probably Phillips or even Ronnie Harrison, I think that we didn't really see the best of him last year because many times when a guy comes over in the middle of the season, they just are, they're just not totally in the flow. You know, there's something about a comfort level being, you know, with the team all off season training camp and this year he's been there. So I think, you know, Ronnie Harrison's a guy that you might see too, that, could be a little underrated because you went out and got John Johnson and you got Grant Delpit coming back. You, you, you completely stole my thunder. Cause I was going to say, if you're outside of Cleveland, it would be Ronnie Harrison 
The people don't know who he is, but they'll know who he is by the time it's free agency next year. And in Cleveland, Jacob Phillips uh, is not talked about because of all the excitement about JOK and Anthony Walker and, and so on and so forth. Um, so once again, we're in violent agreement here. Um, good question, Jen of the Sheep. Appreciate it. Um, let's go back to my questions until we get another one in the chat room. Uh, I saw, uh, again, courtesy of our old friend Brent Sobleski at Bleacher Report, a ridiculously early mock draft for the Cleveland Browns. And it led me to think um, if I was going to do a ridiculously early mock draft of the Cleveland Browns, what position would I have them picking in the first round? I mean, you look at this position, which position is most in need of a draft pick? And I had a heck of a time coming up with one. Um, to be honest with you, you know, other than place kicker, and you're not going to get a place kicker in the first round uh, unless you're uh, Al Davis. So, Fred, uh, with that as an intro, if you had to pick a position that was going to go first in the 2022 draft, what would it be? Interior defensive line, defensive tackle. I mean, you had, you know, as we sit here right now, we don't know what, what you have, you know, to me after they let Richardson go and, and they had to address that sooner or later, I thought maybe you'd, you'd give it another year and and then you could address, address it in the next year's draft or free agency. But right now you got billings on a one year deal. You got Malik Jackson, who's 32 basically on a one year deal because he's got voidable years. All you have as far as a somewhat proven commodity is Jordan Elliott, who you drafted mm-hmm. last year in the third round. Other than that, you have a lot of unknowns. You got Tommy Togiai, you got Malik McDowell as a big wild card, and you got Marvin Harrison, who's a, or not Harrison, Marvin Wilson, who's who's a, a wild card. So you don't know what you got there until you get on the field. And so right now, I'm assuming you move on from Jackson. He's a stopgap, and you don't know if you can keep Billings. And so you're going to be very thin, even if Togi and Elliott and and Wilson pan out. Mm. You don't know again about McDowell. Sure, if he hits and you got basically a Pro Bowl talent who is drafted, you know, when a guy's drafted 35th overall, that's usually considered, you know, Pro Bowl type caliber. Right. And and uh, but he's not played it down in the NFL. So, um. Right today, it's interior defensive line. I mean, you could even say edge rusher because you don't know what you got with Clowney and McKinley both on one-year deals. Right. Um, but I'm I'm counting on one of them, probably McKinley being maybe a guy you can sign long-term or Curtis Weaver emerging. And again, you could you you have him under contract. So I think on the defensive line, I think is where you you address linebacker, you address secondary. Um, I think I think it's up front on defense still. All right, uh, I think I think that's a really good answer. Um, uh, the only other one I might point to is if Nick Harris doesn't pan out this year, you might start looking at center. You might start looking at a little bit more uh, at that position, especially if Wyatt Teller walks. Um, uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, some more questions out of the chat room. Uh, Mick the dog asks if you could call offensive plays, 
what kind of plays would you like to see run just a little bit more than we do? So, uh, you know, if, if we're going to give Kevin Stefanski advice, which I'm, I'm sure he wants from us, uh, what sort of plays would we be calling for the Cleveland Browns offense a little bit more? Fred? Well, I, I think that they want to do some of these things, but last year with a new offense, they just didn't really have time to build on it in training camp. They were just mm-hmm. kind of getting ready for the basics. As the season went on, you saw, you know, a little bit more. But because of the lack of speed at wide receiver, once Beckham went down, you really did not have a deep ball threat. I mean, Peoples-Jones might have been the best shot, um, but they didn't use it that much. So I think stretching the field is the plan. You know, with Beckham back, Anthony Schwartz drafted him in the third round to stretch the field. And also, you know, on the jet sweeps, the end arounds, the quick hitting, you know, kind of like the Chiefs use Tyreek Hill to open things up. So that's what in the passing game, as far as in the running game, I've already beat this drum, but seeing more and more of Hunt and Chubb together, just so you can get more playmakers on the field. Sure. If one guy needs a blow, let him rest. But I don't think that they need a blow as often as they do when it's just one, one guy in two plays, one guy in the next two plays. I I just like to see them run them together because like I said, Andy Janovich is not going to be a decoy as much as Kareem Hunt or vice versa. If you just run one of them guys in motion, one guy has to on defense has to go with him and that opens up another spot, you know, underneath in the passing game or even for the running back. Right. Um, I want to go back to uh, the last question about uh, which position you, we would pick in a mock draft right now. And uh, I have to say, Roy is a very, very, obviously a very intelligent guy because he agrees with me uh, that uh, center is a contender uh, and is a possibility that we need to look at for next year. I don't know if you said it before I did, but we were thinking the same thing at the same time. So props to you, Roy, for the good take. And I also got a heads up from our draft man, Stephen, Mr. Brown's mock draft himself, that a name that you want to keep in mind if you're looking at a center in the first round is Tyler Lindenbaum from uh, Iowa uh, in the middle of the offensive line. He apparently is a good one and someone to keep an eye on for next season. Uh, let's see if there are any more questions in the chat room. we got uh, one from Joe Cleveland. Nice name. And Joe Cleveland asks, who is a better quarterback prospect coming out of college, Greedy or Newsom? Now, we're, we're not the draft gurus of the world. We, we say that every offseason. But do you have a take on this one, Fred? I always have a take, whether it's right or not. I'd have to look <laughs> back, you know, to see what the – you know, and again, you can look at draft guides, and from one to the other, they all like another guy. But Newsom, everywhere I saw was pretty much a first-round, you know, <clears throat> pick. I don't know the grade. I know they grade him, and sometimes a guy ends up in the first round because there's a lack of numbers. But I think he was consistently listed, you know, in the top four or five cornerbacks. There was the three guys that were considered first-round picks. Farley was the one that had an injury situation. But Newsom was right there every time, fourth or fifth. I remember seeing Greedy Williams last year. Almost everything I remember was a second round, maybe a – higher second round pick. Mm -hmm. 
or end of first round. And uh, I think the Browns got him like 44 or something like that. So, or 46. I think that uh, Newsom, I think he's all the way around. He's a little, I think he's has a little bit more known for tackling, whereas Greedy Williams didn't tackle at all in college, and that was the knock on him. He was more like Deion Sanders. You know, he just would cover, but he didn't tackle anybody, and he wasn't asked to at LSU. He could defend. So, mm. yeah, I think I think Newsom, obviously by his status there, was a little bit higher than Greedy Williams. Right. I, I would have put Newsom first as as well. Uh, but that's only because I'm a Big Ten hawk and totally biased toward the Big Ten because that's, you know, most of the college football I watch is Big Ten. And you can really say that uh, the Big Ten has produced a number of pretty good cornerbacks and defensive secondary prospects over the last couple of years. But uh, I will say in defense, I will say that you can you can like the Big Ten, which I do, too. But the quarterbacks in the Big Ten aren't really typically as good as the sec quarterbacks and it's more of a conference. so there's an argument that they're going up against some better quarterbacks you know in the sec you know think about the big 10 you yeah. know um ohio state believe it or not has had some of the better quarterbacks recently and some of them have been more runners but fields you know obviously could throw and haskins could throw but mm-hmm. I don't look at the quarterbacks coming out of the big 10 recently as being, you know, the top, you know, top ones in the draft. You know, you think of Joe Burrow, obviously played Ohio state, but he made his name at LSU. Yeah. Understood. Uh, will not uh, change me at all. Um, because I dismiss any praise for the sec automatically. And my dog is barking. If anyone would like a small barky dog, uh, please let me know. She's been doing that all day, driving me absolutely crazy. Let's uh, move on to some more questions. Um, <clears throat> there is uh, returning all your offensive starters, as the Browns are doing this year, is a very rare thing. Uh, it's been done only 34 times before since 1971. So, you know, it's not something that happens every year, even within the league. But um, a guy by the name of Anthony Reinhardt, uh, a Browns fan and uh, obviously a data mer- a nerd uh, of my own heart, put together a chart sort of indicating how well those teams did in their second year. So the team coming, the entire offense coming back for year two. And you see that gold line there? That gold line, if you're above that gold line, that means that you did better in the second year with all those returning starters if you're below that gold line, it means you did not do quite as well uh, with all those returning starters. Um, and, you know, we usually promise no math during the program. Uh, this guy did the math for us. And what he really is indicating here is that um, there's no guarantee that if you bring all your offensive starters back, that you're going to be doing any better than you were the year before, uh, at least historically. Uh, with the exception, perhaps, of the Vikings of 1998. Um, any thoughts on that, Fred, in terms of, you know, why a team bringing all its players back would not do quite as well the second year? Uh, and do you think that uh, this will apply to the Browns? Well, there's so many variables there. I mean, you don't know injuries. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> if your quarterback doesn't play more than one game, 
that's going to be kind of a big shot, especially if right. it's like an Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Joe Montana or, uh, you know, any of a number of guys. But all things being equal, I think in the Browns case, the continuity for a Baker Mayfield is immense. He hasn't had the same coach two years in a row. He hasn't had the same system right. two years in a row. He hasn't had the same coordinator across the board. And I think that's why with the Browns, you have, you know, much bigger upside. Now, I don't know. I'm glad you explained because I looked at that and I didn't even know what, what all those logos <laughs> were meaning. Um, but I've been noting that all along back in all my off season stories is that the mm -hmm. Browns had all 11 of their starters. And let's take it a step further. Not just their 11 starters, the key backups at e each position. Right. Um, at an offensive line, you could, I mean, Chris Hubbard's expected to be back. And he's, he's the jack of all trades at all the line positions. At tight end, let's say Hooper's the starter. You have Najoku and Harrison Bryant. So you have two backups returning. Mm -hmm. When you look at wide receiver, they played a lot of the year without Beckham. Um, so Beckham is back and Landry, but they have literally the entire rest of the roster back on at wide receiver. And then you look at running back, Chubb's backup is Kareem Hunt, and you have right. Baker Mayfield, and his backup is Case Keenum. So they have great depth on the offense compared to in past years. If one guy goes down, you are in big trouble. So, you know, so it's not just the starters. They got depth. And so I don't know all the variables there, but I think in the Browns case, it bodes very well because you have, you have just as you get better, you know, and more familiar in the system, it should translate into the, into the field. And I think it starts with the quarterback and Baker Mayfield should be much better this year because of what he went through last year and the way he played in the second half of the season. You right. know, he, he was 11 touchdowns and one interception in the last eight games, you know, and, and not counting the playoffs. So I think that that's why the belief is so much better. Just because you say, hey, we got 11 starters back. Some teams might have 11 starters back and they weren't very good. But the, right. but the team didn't go out and upgrade. They just said, well, we got these guys. They're under contract. We might as well keep using them. Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, a couple of things to me would sort of indicate that the Browns will be the exception here and will do better in the second year. Um, you know, just beyond just being generally optimistic about this team. Uh, one is that the team on offense is still relatively young, right? Uh, a lot of these guys, you can make the argument that these guys haven't peaked, you know, starting with the quarterback. Uh, and I don't know if Nick Chubb has peaked. I don't know if, uh, you know, a lot of these players have necessarily peaked. Uh, and then the second thing is that during the offseason, we made all these fantastic upgrades to our defense, right? I guarantee you that all the teams on this chart did not replace nine out of 11 starters on their defense with better players which the Browns have arguably done uh, this year. So I think the Browns will beat the odds and will be a better team offensively this next year uh, as well. Um, next question, I'm just trying to find find some in the chat here. 
Uh, next question comes from Walt Stillwell. Uh, he says, OBJ is signed for three more years at reasonable money. Do you think he's here that long? Do you think OBJ makes it to uh, 2024, Fred? Or oh, that's a big, that's a big variable. I mean, we're, we're here in 2021. I think a lot of it depends on how this year goes. If, if this mm -hmm. year goes extremely well and everything fits, you know, I think they would bring him back for next year. I, I don't know about long-term, you know, NFL stands for not for long and things change immensely. Um, there's just so many variables, you know, is he yeah. going to come back? Is he going to come back and buy into the offense that played well without him last year and made the playoffs and he just fits right in and he's not going to be the focal point where everybody's always talking about, Oh, OBJ's upset. Look at his body language. Oh, they just won 40 to nothing, but he caught two passes and he's kicking <laughs> the dirt over on the sideline you know, or, or those type of things. I expect him to come in hungry. He realized he missed out. He's talked about since he came to the Browns that all he wants to do is win. This is his opportunity, you know, to show that. I think that he really will come in and, and fit in. Um, with that said, he does have a lot of drama about him, and he's always dropping these little things where you don't know what he means, you know, here or there. Yeah. And so I think a lot of it's going to be in his court. You know, does he want to fit in? You see what the culture they want here. With that said, I do not, and this is me personally, I do not think Kevin Stefanski or Andrew Barry would have went out and brought him in if they, if he wasn't already here. Okay. Right. That's just my opinion. He's not the type of guy that they seek out. They want a Nick Chubb type of guy. And, and so, but he's a great player, a great athlete all the way around. And so I think that they look at it and say, this is what we have. Let's make the most of it and make it work. And so that's, that's, that's how it's been going. So, yeah, I could see both ways going. I could see him being here for the contract. I could see him, you know, moving on if things don't go excessively well because that's just him, you know, that, he mm -hmm. might just say, you know, I'm, I'm moving on. If Jarvis is moving on, or or whatever, right? right. Yeah, I, th I think odds are a little bit long that he'll be here for uh, uh, three more years. Um, you know, just the the nature of this team and then the need to manage money, uh, I think, will be part of that. Another question from Brandon, and Brandon asked, with the upgrades on defense, how often should Joe Woods blitz? And he'd say 25% of the time to keep offenses guessing. Uh, do you think there's going to be some uh, serious blitzing in this Joe Woods defense next year, Fred? Well, I do. I mean, I think a lot of it is you have to have confidence in your players. And I could tell all last year he wasn't confident because um, just, just the way he called games. But I don't think you're going to see him lying in safeties 25 yards back like Greg Williams. He's got players. I mean, these guys aren't foolish. When, they, when they're running out Andrew Sandejo, they know that's what we got. They're not going to disparage and say, that guy stinks, you know, but he's going to play. Um, and so I see him, yes. I see him using all the, the tools available to him. 
I see him using corner blitzes. You know, he's got the players. He's got the guys up front. I can see JOK being used a lot in that. I could see, you know, even corner, you know, Newsom, Williams, um, Harrison, Johnson. I can see Delpit. I just see him coming from every angle and trying to make the offense, you know, unpredictable. So they don't know where they're coming from. That's what I see. And, uh, you know, when we talk about the defense, you mentioned earlier, nine of the 11 starters, that's kind of what I see. Nine key players, you know, added to to Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett. Um, They're all upgrades pretty much. The only question could be on the whoever plays in place of Sheldon Richardson. Right. Remember, this team gave up 26.2 points a game last year. They gave up more points than the offense scored a game. And so this offense, I believe, will be better. I think the offense will score at least 26 to 30 a game. So this defense doesn't have to be awesome. They just have to be better than they were last year. And if they could cut it from 26.2 a game down around 20 a game, I think you're going to win more games just just in that category alone. So, so a, a lot of potential. But on overall, this defense could be a top fifteen, if not a top ten defense, with the mm-hmm. players they've added. Do you really think they need to the blitz a ton with uh, uh, Miles Garrett and Tack McKinley and Jadavian Clowney on that front line? You know, you just send your secondary back, give them another second or two to get to the quarterback and watch the chaos happen. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal. You you hear good teams say they they hope the front four is all they need to rush, and then you can have seven back, you know, all the time. But I just know what I've seen. Miles Garrett, as great as he is, you know, he still has games where, you know, he, he gets shut down. He might have a sack or he might have a strip sack, which could be a game-changing play. But I think if you mix it up, and let them come from every angle, the defensive front, it'll only be more effective if you send a guy, you know, like a heat-seeking missile from the corner or from the safety or or whatever, especially if you're playing three safeties and you're using one as almost a linebacker, you know, just just send them. All right, fair enough. Uh, Roy comes back with another question, and he says, do we have good reason to think Jed Willis will take a step or two forward and left tackle this year. Decent rookie year, but some real rough moments in pass protection. What do you think, Fred? Well, I think that he has worked at it. He was one of the few and one of the few veteran offensive linemen that came to the OTAs because he felt like he just wanted to get more comfortable and work at at his craft. And I like that. I think that he um, remember it was his first year at left tackle. He played right tackle at Alabama. And that's kind of a big jump from the, Mm -hmm. from college to the NFL, even if you were playing at Alabama, but when you're on the left side, it's a different approach, a different look, and you're getting the best pass rusher. Usually and you're talking about an NFL pass rusher, not a college pass rusher. And so usually the biggest jump is between the rookie year and the second year. I think that Bill Callahan will continually tweak his game. And yeah, I think he had some moments last year, but to get through the year and you didn't just feel like he was a disaster, I think that he could make a big jump this year and he could even be one of the guys 
it sounds it sounds a little bit, you know, uh, crazy to call him maybe an underrated player when he was the tenth overall pick in the draft. Right. But he could have been a little underrated because he didn't do he didn't have an outstanding year as a rookie, and this year he really could jump up and be a big time player that they drafted to begin with. So I do expect him to to go from last year being you know, maybe a little below average to above average, if not very good. You know, one of those uh, listicles came out last week, you know, top 10, this, that, or the other thing, and uh, listed uh, Wills behind Tristan Wirfs and uh, Mekhi Becton uh, as offensive linemen. And after one year, it, it's, it's kind of early to tell, you know, don't you think? Um, you know, you typically need three years to tell if there's a draft uh, and give this guy another year. You're right. He made the transition from right tackle. Give him another year under Bill Callahan and, and watch what happens with uh, with Jedrick, I would tend to think. Yeah, I mean, that's just like, you know, draft analysts 10 minutes after the draft have to grade if they were an A or a B or whatever. Right. And you haven't even seen them play, you know, and these guys – you know, in training camp, I've seen it for many years, you know, we have to vote. Okay. We have to vote, um, you know, for outstanding rookie and you really haven't, you know, you, you just see him practice. And a lot of times those guys don't really do much in the regular season, but no, as far as it's hard to grade him, and I, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a, a good tackle for a long time. All right. Well, uh, hope that is certainly the case. Um, had another question in here about Jacob Phillips. Um, you know, I, I read your uh, VIP linebacker analysis this morning. It was great stuff per usual. Um, we were talking a little bit about Jacob Phillips being sort of an underrated player in in my estimation sort of a forgotten man because of the addition of JOK do you think that this is going to be a breakout year for Phillips and uh, I guess bonus question is do you see uh, him getting more snaps than JOK does I, I really think JOK how he you know develops in training camp and again Joe Woods how how comfortable he is in putting him out on the field but I I expect Phillips to, you know, be out there probably as the incumbent to start the season because of his athleticism. They wanted to get better around. He's coming back from second year. Like I said, he missed seven games, different ailments, nagging injuries. I think there's a reason they drafted him in the third round. They like him and his sideline to sideline ability. And I think that, um, I think that the depth will be, all the way around. I don't know my projection, but I think I had him, you know, having a pretty good year. And I think that he is right there with JOK. I think that um, they, they want fresh guys and depth. And I think it's who's playing well is going to stay on the field and who can handle the role. I think Mm -hmm. obviously trading up to get JOK, there's a, there's a comfort level. Now, do they have that comfort level coming out of preseason and training camp that he's ready to go and he can right. 
in immediately and play because with this defense and the expectations of the Browns, I don't think he's going to put anybody out there that he doesn't feel completely comfortable with. And even with like Grant Delpit, because you got Ronnie Harrison and John Johnson, you don't have to throw him out there immediately and you can play two safeties. You don't have to play the third safety. Maybe you play an extra linebacker like, you know, like Phillips or you play an extra, you know, cornerback like, Greedy Williams or Greg Newsome. And so I think the depth all the way around. So I think Jacob Phillips is a guy that they really think can, can come into his own this year. Uh, Another question from Mick, the dog, sort of a two-parter asks us whether we see Anthony Walker as a starter at middle linebacker or uh, maybe Malcolm Smith. What are your thoughts on uh, that little competition there, Fred? Well, thanks for the question, Mick. Um, you didn't read my story probably because I wrote <laughs> that today. But I'll I'll tell you, um, Anthony Walker, I mean, they they signed him. They went out him aggressively to get him. He's an upgrade over B.J. Goodson. B.J. Goodson was the leading tackler on this team last year. And by the way, Goodson walked as a free agent, and he is not signed, you know, with any mm-hmm. team at this point. So that tells you. Anthony Walker has speed. I mean, and he's a young guy at 25. I think he's just, this was coming into his second contract and uh, no, they like Walker. They signed him to be the signal caller, middle linebacker. I know that John Johnson also called the plays, but um, I think Walker probably will be out there at least first, second down. Even Kevin Stefanski gave him permission to switch from 54 as the pitcher shows. He's going to wear number four this year. And mm. uh, and so that happened during minicamp. So, no, I think Anthony Walker is definitely um, the starting Mike linebacker for sure. He's going to be out there first, second down. They may take him off on third down, but he's got speed. He can cover. But I think that some of the other guys like a Phillips or a JOK or – um, one of those guys might be out there a little bit more on third and third down passing downs. Right, right. Smart, tough, accountable. The Cleveland Browns mantra when it comes to player acquisition and uh, Anthony Walker is those things. Um, another question from Walt Stillwell. Uh, he asked, does uh, Tony Fields have to make the final roster? If you expose him to the practice squad, he'll likely be claimed. Um so my thought was that he does make the final roster and Mac Wilson probably does not, but uh, your thoughts, Fred. Yeah, that's why I had, I have fields on the active roster. You don't draft a guy and put him on the practice squad unless you're okay with losing him. Um, I see him, you know, being on the roster. That's, that's even defensive linemen. When I look at Marvin Wilson, they invested a lot of money in him to sign him. And he might be a developmental player, but if you put him on that on the practice squad, you probably lose him unless you pay him a much more to stay. And I know AJ Green last year, they put him on the practice squad. And I think they paid him a little more, you know, with the idea that he would stay with the with the Browns. So yeah, I, I think Fields will make the team for sure. All right. Or, or if he didn't, if he doesn't, it's gonna be injured reserve. That's that's the old way that teams used to stash players. Oh, mm. your fingernail hurts. You're on injury <laughs> reserve for the season. That was the way they could keep guys 
without yep. exposure. You can't, it's not that easy anymore. You have to like wave them injured and different things here and there. And that's how the Dolphins, you know, they lost Curtis Weaver because they were trying to get him, I think, the injured reserve. But, yeah. um, you know, as the Browns added him. So, no, I think Fields makes the team. I think um, it's going to be very competitive, you know, for special teams. And I think they feel Fields probably can be the special teams guy. And that's why I have him. I actually have Malcolm uh, or Mac Wilson coming down to him or Elijah Lee. And Elijah Lee was a special teams guy, even though he didn't play much on defense. That's why mm -hmm. I had Elijah Lee making the team over Mac Wilson, because I figured if Mac Wilson was good at special teams, they would have had him on it last year. Right. Right. Absolutely. And Malcolm Smith is a little bit of a curiosity because if you remember, they didn't sign him to training camp last year when Mac Wilson got hurt. He came in, he ended up second on the team in tackles. He was a free agent and they signed him as, to a one-year contract. And so you think, okay, he's like 32 years old. Wouldn't you go keep a younger guy like Mac Wilson or somebody like that over a 32-year-old? Right. But I think they're going to keep Malcolm Smith just because they feel comfortable with him. That would make sense. That would make sense. Hey, let's uh, hit a couple questions coming out of the OBR forums. Actually, we're going to start with one from Twitter, and this comes from MeanGene00 at Twitter. He said, hey, Barry, just wanted to confirm the streaming of your show will remain on YouTube, or will you all be switching to Twitch? And uh, the answer to that is, in a couple of weeks, we are going to switch the live stream to Twitch. So if you want to participate in the chat hang out with us live while we do it, be part of the show. Uh, you want to sign up for Twitch as soon as you can. It's twitch.tv slash the OBR underscore Browns. It's in the, the chat room, I think, near the top of the chat room. Uh, and that's where we'll be doing our live stream. And we hope you all come and join us, even though we're not going to be on YouTube anymore. But the replay will then be on YouTube. But uh, we count on you guys to hang out in the forum or chat room with us, ask questions, respond to the show. Uh, and uh, we really hope that you come with us over to Twitch when we jump there on the 27th of July. Uh, let's uh, go to another question from Eco Eco in the chat room. He says, Chase McLaughlin seems to have done decently limited opportunities that he's had in the NFL. Do you think he has a legit shot to take the place kicker job from Parkey? So we haven't seen that much of those guys yet, have we? No. Um, you know, we didn't see them really much at all because they didn't do any teams. But interesting thing about McLaughlin, now I didn't I didn't revisit it, but I when when he was signed, I think he had been with nine or eleven teams just since like 2019. So that tells me teams have him really high. And then they bring him in for whatever reason. Don't don't hang on to him. Um, the reason I think he has a legitimate chance is because they kept Matthew McCrane on the team all last year, and he was on the practice squad, a kicker. And usually, you mm -hmm. don't keep a kicker on the practice squad. The day they signed McLaughlin, they cut McCrane. So that tells me that they feel he's better than McCrane. And they felt McCrane was insurance in case Parkey couldn't play due to COVID or lack of performance or whatever. So it will be interesting. Um, 
if you remember last year, they, they had Seibert and they stuck with him and he was inconsistent all training camp, made the team, mm-hmm. cut a pretty good kicker, and yet one game and they cut him and went to Parkey. So right. um, I and Parkey, I think, was on the practice squad at that time because you could have a non-rookie on the practice squad. So I see if they do that again, McLaughlin will probably stay on at least on the practice squad. There's something that intrigues him and a lot of teams. Um, and a lot of it's going to be on Parkey. You know, if he if he does the job in training camp and preseason, he'll be the kicker. Right. <clears throat> okay, fair enough. Uh, thank you for the uh, graphic there, Producer Ian. Much appreciated. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's go to a question from Kim.64. I've actually had this question on my question sheet for a couple of weeks now. Uh, and uh, Kim Dog says, in the absence of Mike Hay, uh, an infamous poster in uh, Ask the Insiders who would constantly ask about draft pick signings, uh, he asks, why aren't the last two draft picks signed yet? Where is the urgency? So uh, you worried about those two draft picks at all, Fred? No. I mean, I mean it's so much different than it used to be. They're slotted. I mean, they don't have much negotiating. The first round pick – you know, Newsom is the only one, and usually that's in that fourth or fifth year, that fifth-year option. You know, that's what they usually argue about. Players want to be a free agent, and the team wants to keep them under, you know, have that fifth-year option. So that's about the only bargaining. I have no idea with Schwartz, you know, okay, you were the fastest guy in the draft. You got picked in the third round. You know, you, right. you got picked maybe a little higher than most people thought. You don't have much bargaining power. You sat on the sidelines with a hamstring injury all minicamp. So sign your contract, get in here on time. I mean, they're only hurting themselves if they don't. I mean, Newsom has a golden opportunity to be the starter. If he misses any time, you know, Greedy Williams, if he can hold up, he'll be the starter. Yep, absolutely. One last question before we go. This comes from uh, uh, Hunix Tube. And uh, he asked us about special teams. Uh, how do we view special teams performance last year and how can uh, our special teams coach improve uh, that unit this year? Your thoughts, Fred? Well, it's on having better players. I mean, you can have the best special teams coach in the world, but if you have Barry and me out there running, they're going to run by us and we're not going to look good. Um and, and that's as Andrew Barry keeps making this roster better and better, especially the bottom third of the roster, you're going to have better special teams players. They let Tavier Thomas go, who was a core special teams player. There were several guys that I think they're all in the Texans special teams players. But I think the Tony Fields, the younger guys that we talked about will step up into those roles. And I think as they have, better better players on the end of the roster, you're going to have better special teams play. And that's always a reflection of your depth, you know, as, as far mm-hmm. as if you don't have depth, you don't have good special teams players. And the Browns haven't had good depth in a long, long time. Like I already mentioned, they have better players, you know, backups this year than guys that used to start on this Browns roster. So I think Pryfer's a good coach, and I think he'll get the most of it. And his his real challenge is to get Jamie Gillen back to whatever he was as a rookie when he beat right. out Colquitt, and also to get 
consistency out of Parkey or go with McLaughlin, but I think I think they'll be better all the way around. All right. Uh, Mick the Dog asked, do you guys see Redwine making the cut? Uh, I have not seen that as a possibility, uh, given what we did in the defensive secondary. Fred, what do you think about Sheldrick Redwine's ability to make the team this year? Yeah, I think it's a long shot. I think that they drafted Richard LeCount, you know, in the fifth round from Georgia coming off an injury. And I think that he, to me, would have the best chance to be the fourth safety as it stands now behind Del Pitt, Harrison, and John Johnson. Um, if Woods wants to play three of them, you'd need at least four. And I think LeCount, to me, Last year, the Browns had a chance. Woods had a chance to play Redwine when they had injuries and COVID in the safety, and he really didn't. He chose not right. to. Um, Redwine does not have the build of – and I haven't seen him change much in his build. I saw him in minicamp. He's a slight individual. I saw him bounce off quarterback last year on a blitz, you know, and mm -hmm. he's got – he's just not a tackler, a physical force, and I think that's what they want at safety. All right. Fair enough. Well, that uh, wraps it up for this evening. Uh, I, I still have questions left over. I can't believe it. We'll save them for next week. Uh, and I just want to thank everybody who's been hanging out with us in the, uh, in the chat room. Uh, you guys make the show as always. Please, please, please join us as we shift over to Twitch on the 27th, two weeks from now. We hope to see you there as well. But we'll certainly see you next week when we come back with OBR Weekly next Tuesday. Thanks, everybody. See you.